Hey fam, I am Eilina and this podcast is all about life. All the things we go through in life from friendship, relationships, parenthood, spirituality, you name it, I'm going to talk about it. This is about living, having the hard conversations, the easy ones, and even the annoying ones, and all the ones in between. I'm here to help you see life in new ways, to have a few laughs and share in my joyful conversations with my guests and with you. It is all about a fullness to life and humanhood and doing the best we all can along the way. We are all living life and here's how I'm doing it. Hey fam, thank you so much for joining me on another episode here with Living Life with Eilina. I'm so excited to share with you the next guest that I'm having on the show. Her name is Rachel Sear and she is such a beautiful woman inside and out. She is a mother, a blogger. She is sharing her story regarding the loss of one of her sons and I know that that's super heavy and probably one of the heaviest conversations that I've had on the show so far, but like I told you guys in the intro, I'm talking about all of the things, and this is just one of those things, right? And maybe not everybody can relate, but it's totally a story that everybody should hear. There's so many important things that Rachel shares with us as far as the experience of losing her son but also all of the obstacles that she went through when it happened, after it happened. And Rachel is just such a strong, strong woman to be a voice in the space that she is in um, because I know that that is such a challenging thing for anybody to deal with when we're talking about loss, but um, specifically when we're talking about young children and, and losing young children. And so... I encourage all of you guys to give this, give Rachel a chance and listen to her story because it truly is beautiful and she is just an amazing person. Um, and without any further ado, I introduce all of you guys to Rachel Sear. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for being on the show. Hi, yes. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to have you on and to share your story. So let's just jump right in. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you're from and a little bit about your story. Yeah. So my name's Rachel Sear and I am from Front Royal, Virginia. Um, I'm married and a mom of three boys and I'm excited to talk about uh, my story about my middle son, Brantley, who we lost back in 2012. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about um, your son. And I, you know, before we start, one of the things that really, um, really drew me to you and your story was how open and transparent you were about um, the loss of your son. And so many of us don't have to experience it. That's honestly, you know, one of the things that um, it's just, it's every woman's mother's worst nightmare and you experienced it, but you're able to take your experience and talk about it so openly and transparently, and you're helping 
so many other women who are experiencing the same thing um, in their own journey. And so thank you so much for being a part of that. I appreciate that so much. Yeah. So tell us, you know, tell us what happened. What what exactly happened with your son? Yeah. So um, in April of 2012, Brantley James was born. Um, I He was my second born. So I wasn't a new, new mom, um, but I was still a young mom. I was about 24 at the time. And everything was great. He was happy, healthy little baby boy. Um, we had him for four and a half wonderful months. Um, we went to all the wellness checkups and all the baby growth checkups. And um, at one of them, they were concerned he had a little bit of a head tilt, which is a lot of us moms know uh, babies have pretty big heads and their necks sometimes aren't strong enough. So he was diagnosed with something called torticollis, which is a muscle disorder that can be corrected with, with physical therapy. So, you know, okay, great. Thank you. And, you know, I made the physical therapy appointment a couple weeks later. Uh, it was on a Monday and took him to physical therapy. Everything seemed kind of normal, kind of, you know, the physical therapist seemed like okay. And um, it was fine. So we had to do these exercises. Uh, he was at an in-home babysitter at the time, a friend of my mom's who I trusted with my kids, um, with his two-year-old brother. And uh, two days after physical therapy, I get the phone call every mother dreads. Um, the babysitter's teenage daughter called me and said my son wasn't breathing. Um, at this point, I'm about 45 minutes away from him at work. So they had called an ambulance. They, um, the ambulance was like already almost there. So I headed straight to the hospital. Um, I then had to make the terrifying phone call to my husband who was asleep because he worked night shift at the time. So he jumped up. We actually beat um, the ambulance to the hospital at the time. Um, so they bring him in, you know, they're working on him. It's just a horrific thing to see such a little baby with so many adults and so many gadgets and things. And, um, I can't tell you the time cause it's all a little bit of a blur, but a little while later, they basically come in and say, we have to, you know, say our goodbyes. Um, at this point, I have no idea. I have no idea what happened. I don't know if he choked. I don't, I have no idea what happened. Um, I find out two days later, the uh, medical examiner calls me and walks me through her findings and come to find out uh, the physical therapy had aggravated a birth defect that we didn't know about. Um, he had a piece of cartilage on the outside of his spinal cord in his neck um, and when the phys when we did the physical therapy or he did even tummy time, which is what he was doing at the sitters, it aggravated it so much that the cartilage actually severed his central nervous system. Um, so he was gone before the ambulance ever got there. Wow. So, um, of course that was, you know, a total shock at this point. You know, I thought he only had a muscle thing. I had no idea. And, um, as, you know, things kind of set in and weeks went by and, you know, not that I needed to place blame on anybody, but I was just confused. How could this happen? Um, so we went through some legalities and um, we actually went through a two and a half year court case uh, with the pediatrician because I feel he could have done more. He could, we never did x-rays. We never did CAT scans. Um, but unfortunately, in the state of Virginia, there's... Um, something called a statute of care. And it basically means that um, just because one doctor says this should be a standard of care doesn't mean another doctor has to agree with it. 
Um, and then unfortunately, uh, finances play a role in it and the case was dismissed. Um, wow. so that's kind of where we left off. Uh, that was, that ended, I think in 2015. Um, okay. so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. This is to me, first of all, I think, um, what's crazy about your story is that, um, the legality part yes. of it, right, is is the part that, you know, you're trying to do what you can to get as much closure as possible. And the state of Virginia doesn't, I mean, I guess I hate to get political about it, but it just seems like there are laws there that are not truly there to protect you. Yeah, and that's, as the patient, right? Yeah. And that's, that's, that was probably the most difficult part. Not only was I trying to get closure for myself, but, you know, as I was going through this and, you know, processing all of this information, all, you know, another part of me was thinking, well, what about other children? Like, this is one of like, this pediatrician was one of like the most recommended in the Shenandoah Valley. And I'm like, well, what about, what if somebody else has to go through something like this because they should have done more? Um, so then that became kind of the power behind keeping me going was because I just didn't want anybody else to have to live through what I lived through. Um, and like mm, you said, it's right. just, it's unfortunate that, you know, things aren't always what they seem in the legal world. Yeah. So can you just explain very briefly what that statue means? Um Gosh, I, I totally miss what you said is the statute of care. Yeah, I think I misspoke. I think it's called the standard of care, but each state has a standard yes, of care. Each okay. state has a standard of care that doctors have to abide by, which is like really outlined in a lot of um, words I don't understand. But basically, um, so my lawyer at the time had gotten testimony from some other doctors saying that, you know, obviously they would have, before diagnosing such a small infant with a a condition like that, they would have ran some tests, whether that was blood tests, whether that was x-rays, you know, they would have done something other than prescribed physical therapy. But because those doctors, a few of them were out of state. And I think one of them, we had four or five at the time, one of them was in state, but because the standard of care doesn't specify, you know, specific procedural things that need to be done with each patient, which obviously is kind of crazy to even think they could standardize that. Um, that was like their mm -hmm. almost, I want to say right. loophole. Like I try not to be so negative about it, but I feel like they found a loophole. Um, and, mm -hmm. and I agree with you. I think that it's just a way to protect right. the doctors from not doing right. their job. Exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, I mean, like, to me, and I'm not a doctor, so you know, I, I don't want to be right. passing judgment in this place or what or why this started. But to me, it sounds like it's not really there to protect the patient; it's really there to protect exactly. the doctor. But ultimately, it's the doctors who are caring for the patients, and so there should be some protection. Right, and I don't think this doctor did anything maliciously. I actually was okay with this doctor. Um, he wasn't going to be his long-term pediatrician, we were actually in between insurances and I was trying to get Brantley into the same pediatrician that my older son, Jack Jaden goes to. Um, 
But because of insurances, we just were kind of in between pediatricians. Um, so again, I don't think he did anything malicious, but I, I think he could have done things differently. For sure, for sure. So, so let's fast forward, right? We're 2021. And, and what are you working on now? Um, so yeah, so this will be um, starting the ninth year without Brantley. Um, right now, mm -hmm. um, I am really focused on connecting with others um, through either social media platforms, or I have my own blog where I write about my experiences, my feelings. Um, obviously, grief never truly ends. Um, when you lose a child, I think when you lose anybody, but especially when you lose a child, you didn't just lose that child. You lost their milestones. You lost their first day of kindergarten. You lost their first driver's license. You know, you lose. So every year there's something new that I realized that I lost. Um, and that enables me to connect with other moms and even dads um, who have lost and who are still, you know, kind of hit with this wave of grief with every year that goes by. Right. Yeah. I can't imagine it being easy in any kind of way. I have an aunt who had lost her son a few years ago to, um, gosh, I'm completely blinking on what it is that he had, but they, from talking to her, her experience was you don't ever get over the grief, but you just get comfortable with it. Absolutely. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's there all the time and you just learn to just cope through it. So you're always dealing with grief and, and I think that, um, that's a hard that's a hard concept to it for, for, I think any mother who's never experienced loss and me being one of them, it's very difficult to wrap our minds around that. Right. And so what has been one of the biggest things that has helped you while coping with the loss of your child? Um, probably. And it took me, it took me a long time to accept it. Um, but sitting with the grief, accepting that, stop fighting it. You know, so many of us want to quote unquote, feel better, want to, you know, not hurt anymore. Um, when we lose someone close, or especially a child, there's a void there and you avoided it for the longest time. You know, I avoided, I avoided, um, seeing small children and infants. I mean, at the time after Brantley passed, I had a three-year-old son, um, but I avoided, uh, meeting my nephew for the first time because I couldn't be near a baby cause it hurt too much. Um, but eventually I realized I couldn't run from it anymore. Um, so I just powered through and I accepted like this, this is a part of me now and I need to sit with it in order to like continue living my life and continue, you know, raising my other living children, which I attest to is the only reason I made it through is because I had something else to keep me going. Yeah, I I think that that there's so much validity in that in really sitting with your grief and I think that this can go with any form of grief, not necessarily the loss, but any form of grief that anyone is dealing with, really truly oh, yeah. sitting with it and allowing yourself to feel what you need to feel. Um and whatever you're feeling is valid. I think that that 
that has to be said because I know even for me, especially when I was younger, so I was 24 years old when I had my son as well. And then I, um, him and his father separated him and (laughs) his father and me, we separated, um, right before he turned two years old. And so I know that there was a term, like a time in there where I was dealing with grief of our relationship. Yeah. And instead of me sitting in that really like sitting with that grief over the loss of my relationship and my friendship and everything that came with that relationship, I avoided it. Yep. So I did everything else that I could possibly do. I like started dating right away and I started consuming myself in school and, and work and just anything that I could to avoid it. But the thing is, is that if you do that and I can speak from experience here is it always comes back and it almost comes back like twice as painful than it would have been if you just dealt with it in that Yes, moment. I was getting ready to say the same thing that it's almost harder the longer you push it away, which it is a normal reaction. You know, it's that fight or flight risk. Like, you know, I can't fight it, so I'm going to run away from it. That's a normal reaction. You just have to, you know, kind of try to ground yourself in realizing that you have to face this in order to get through it or else, like you said, down the road, it's going to be harder to face. Um, I know, like I said, I can't pinpoint the time frame because there's a lot of things that are blurred um, from my memory, unfortunately, but I know it took me a lot of time and I even still um, find myself distracting myself when those feelings come and I have to remind myself, don't be distracted, let it be and we'll move forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I I love that. I love that you chose to to just tackle it head on. And I'm sure that that was not easy at all. Like, you know, we're talking about it right now, but, you know, very openly and plainly, but it's, you know, sitting in grief is never easy. Um, and so how has the experience changed you as a woman and as a mother? Um, so I think there's, there's good and bad things. Um, I'm very honest. Like I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat and say, you know, it's made me more appreciative, which it has. Um, but I unfortunately have become a bit of a helicopter mom with my living children. Um, I had a son after Brantley two years later and, uh, that poor child, (laughs) he can't do much of anything without mom right there. (laughs) Um, so I'm learning, I'm learning to, you know, let that go a little bit and not have such a worst case scenario. Um, but it has in all reality, it absolutely has. It's made me appreciate, um, the smaller moments, um, you know, things that, Maybe, you know, all moms appreciate the little things with their kids, their first steps and their first things and this and that. Um, But I think with my living children that are still here, I appreciate it 10 times more than I ever would before. Before I was focused on, you know, just being the fun mom and I had a career and I was getting married. And, you know, there were so many things that were prioritized that now are not. Um, I'm more present, I think, with my kids because I've. I've, I know what it's like to miss those moments. Um, so I definitely, it opened my eyes more in different areas as being a mom to the ones I still have here. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to talk to you a little bit about what you mentioned at first was that you're a helicopter <laughs> mom with your third son. And it's so funny because I am a helicopter mom with my son and I only have one. Um, 
but the helicopter mom in me comes from a lot Mm -hmm. of trauma that I dealt with as a child. So I went through a ton, a ton of trauma as a child. And so that has reflected in my Mm -hmm. mothering. And I think, I think if any of you guys are listening out there, you guys are helicopter moms also, like, I think that this is so, this is such an important topic to, to talk about because first I think being a helicopter mom truly like at the base of it just means you care so much about Mm -hmm. your kids. You just, you truly do, right? Like at the bottom of it, you care so, so much and I think over time, as people have brought it to my awareness, as you know, that I'm a helicopter mom sometimes, um, is is really trying to be more aware of when maybe I'm being too much. Um, but I don't, I also, this is obviously just my own perspective about being helicopter moms, is that um, I don't think that there is really ever too much of caring. And I think if if you are one of those moms who are thinking like, oh, I'm a helicopter mom, I need to stop. I think that really diving in and saying, okay, but where does that start, right? Like it starts because you care. exactly, And and if you feel like you need to let go a little bit, then do that. But if you're not ready to, then don't. I think all moms are totally doing the best that they possibly can, whether you're a helicopter mom or the fun mom or or whatever it is that you're doing, um, we're all doing our best. So I I totally understand where you're coming from as a helicopter. Yeah, mom. it just, you know, it stems from, um, I just, I have, I had a lot of anxiety before Brantley. So, you know, going through a trauma such as losing a child, it ramped up that anxiety like no other. Um, and, you know, yeah. so obviously I've learned over the last eight and a half, nine years that I can't control everything, even if I try. Um, so it's, it took time, but yes, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a helicopter mom. I think it just shows the level of care, but I think you're absolutely right. You kind of have to know your kids and know yourself. And if you feel like you can let go a little bit in certain situations, that's wonderful. If you're not ready, you're not ready. And that's okay too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Perfect segue into my next question for you. So do you have any advice or tips for other moms who may be coping with the loss of their children? Um, so the big one, like obviously for me, is um, I'm able to talk about it. Now, was I always able to talk so openly without tears? No. Absolutely not. It was, you know, very difficult. It was short blurbs. Um I found writing was easier than talking because, you know, if I'm crying, I can still write. I might not be able to talk, but I can still write. Um, And that (laughs) really, truly helped me. But um, as I have also found a community of grieving parents, I found that that's not true for everybody else. And so that leans me more towards um, my best advice is to find a community, whether it's online, whether it's people you know in person. Um, There's one person I hold near and dear to my heart. Uh, She actually showed up at the hospital when she found out Brantley had died. Um, We were, he had just gotten taken out of the room when Shannon showed up and Shannon had lost her two boys two weeks earlier. She was somebody I was not like close with. We were, we live in the same small town. So she knew me, I knew her, but we weren't like, you know, buddies. 
Um, but she showed up there in her own grief and to have, you know, I know other people might not be able to have somebody so close in, in person, but to have that somebody that understands that you don't need to explain yourself, somebody that isn't saying move on, somebody that isn't saying somebody that's just sitting with you and listening, I think is a hundred percent key. And if you find that on the internet in, you know, a Facebook mom's group, wonderful, find that somewhere and that way you don't feel alone. Yeah, I think, you know, I think one of the things, one of the important things you mentioned was finding someone that will just listen and not telling you. Not try to fix the problem. Everybody wants to fix it. Yeah. Yes. And I think that that's also really great advice for anybody that may know that someone else may be dealing with grief. Um, I think, you know, obviously maybe not all of us have dealt with grief yet in our lives, but I'm sure we all know someone that has. And I think that is such perfect advice is everybody deals with grief in their own way and in their own time and allowing that person to be able to sit with that grief for as long as they need, but knowing that they can always go to you. I think that that is more valuable and more important than trying to fix fix them not they don't want to be fixed they can do that when they're ready right and that's where i think you know i look back on times where maybe i was with somebody who had lost um you know someone they loved and it was a bit awkward because i didn't know what to do because obviously i just want to make them feel better Um, But, you know, walking through my own grief, nobody's going to make you feel better, but you will feel better knowing people are there. Um, So I've learned, you know, to be there for people in my life now in different ways, whether it's the grief over, you know, actually losing somebody, the grief over losing a marriage, the grief over losing a job. Just don't fix it. Just be there. Yeah, I think that's such... You, you said it perfectly. Um, you said it perfectly is really just being there and, and not having to fix the problem. I think that by nature, all of us humans just want yep. to fix, right? I feel like that just is natural for everybody. And, and I also think a lot of us, once we start to feel uncomfortable, the situation becomes uncomfortable mm-hmm. for them. But they're not really thinking about the other person on the other end who's dealing with the grief. And so I think it's important that, okay, maybe you're uncomfortable, but sitting in that uncomfort and really doing everything you can to not try to fix, but just being there by listening, being that shoulder to cry on, being the person that will just always answer the phone, whatever that may be in every person's capacity that's really where we need to show up for those people that are either dealing with grief or or if you're dealing with grief finding the people that 100 i 100% agree yeah so rachel i so appreciate you being on the show and telling your story i think it's such a beautiful story um and beautiful in a beautiful in a in a painful heart-wrenching kind of way but also in the way where what you're saying and what you're sharing is valuable for other women other parents that are dealing with grief dealing with loss 
I know for me personally, actually, I just recently, um, right around Thanksgiving, had lost um, my uncle. And he's actually in his 50s, but his parents are still alive. And that situation, you know, even then, even, even when your kids are grown and fully grown up and adults and, and we lost him to cancer, there's still that grief as a parent, especially for my aunt and uncle, there's still that grief there that they're struggling with and dealing with. And I think people such as yourself, Rachel, who are sharing, sharing your story and helping others overcome that grief in their own time and in their own way, I think is what the world so yeah, right I totally agree. And unfortunately, something like child loss at any age isn't talked about a lot because it, it scares everybody. You know, you don't want to talk about your child dying, whether they're 50, whether they're 15 or four months old. Um, it's a hurtful topic, but it's more hurtful to those of us that have lost them to not talk about them. You know, I don't get to tell you that Brantley took his first steps or that, you know, he tried solid foods. This is how I get to talk about him. Um, so in a way, I feel selfish sometimes because I will take any opportunity to talk about Brantley. But I also have learned how much it, it helps others to hear hear me talk about him. And hopefully they're able to talk about their loved ones. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, Rachel, continue telling his story, continue um, sharing your experiences and his experiences. And, and, you know, over time, the more people that hear that story will be able to learn something from it and take something away from, from that story. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so if anyone wants to learn more about you or contact you if they're interested in learning more where can people yeah so i have a blog um that i talk about brantley and tons of other parenting honest truths um it's not your average mama wordpress.com um i'm also on facebook instagram as not your average mama um i'm a blogger on hiplives.com Again, not your average mama. And then if they want to contact me directly, um, I have an email set up for that. It's my first name, Rachel underscore Lake, L-A-K-E, at iCloud.com. Um, I've had a lot of people reach out that just uh, want to talk one-to-one versus, you know, social media. And that's wonderful, too. Um, I don't – I'm not, like, a coach or a therapist or anything, but I definitely um, know how to listen. I love that. Awesome. Well, all of those links will be in the show notes for anyone that is interested in reaching out to Rachel. I'll also include your email in there, Rachel, for everybody. If anyone wants to reach out or have questions. Um, I love that. Thank you so, so much for being on and telling your story and, you know, helping the community with, you know, talking about what you're going through. It's truly amazing. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. Have a wonderful day. You as well. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hey, fam. I hope that you enjoyed that episode. I know that it was super heavy, but I also think that it's so important that we have these heavy conversations every now and then. 
to really bring perspective into what is going on around the world with other people. I believe listening to other people's stories, which is a major reason why I have this podcast, is to share and hear other people's stories, which I believe humbles us in our own experiences. So my reminder for all of you guys today is to really sit down and appreciate those that are around you. I think for me personally, hearing the story about Rachel really made me hug my son just a little bit tighter as soon as I heard it because Rachel's story is such a testament to what can happen in literally a blink of an eye. And that is just how quick life can change, good or bad. It can all happen as quickly as you see it happen in your daily life. It can just disappear just as quick. And I think it's important that we take the moments and take the time to really hold on to what we truly do have and not in the regard to physical things, but the things that we have that we need to focus our attention on, such as those that are around us, right? Our family, our children, our parents, um, our friends, our siblings, everybody. We should be paying a little bit closer attention and sending our love to all of those people because as you guys just heard, It can be taken away from you so, so quickly. So truly take the moment to appreciate those that are around you guys. All right, fam. Thanks again for being on the show with me. Until next week, I will talk to you guys then. Bye.